0: This is the Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Now, with today's Caribbean news headlines, here's Keisha Wallace. This podcast is brought to you by Let's Talk Ideas.org, your budget-friendly custom design firm and Diamond Key Marina, British Virgin Islands, home of Foxy's Taboo. Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Bahamas Prime Minister tells United Nations General Assembly, Black-governed countries also matter. The Netherlands provide 24 million Antillian guilders liquidity. Support for St. Martin. FEMA says U.S. Virgin Islands medical facilities advancing towards recovery with infusion of over $408 million. Jamaica's National Water Commission to save millions from Mona Reservoir floating solar project. Electric vehicle charging stations build out approved for 50 states plus D.C. and Puerto Rico. Chinese firm bidding for Guyana's gas-to-energy project seeks to distance themselves from shady paths and Anguillian Minister of Tourism says no to cruise tourism. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, September 30th. We start our report today with a quick look at Hurricane Ian. The U.S. National Hurricane Center says Hurricane Ian is centered near 48 nautical miles east-northeast of Charleston, South Carolina, moving north at 13 knots, with maximum sustained wind speed of 75 knots, with gusts up to 90 knots. IAN is forecast to turn towards the north-northwest by tonight and will move inland across eastern South Carolina and central North Carolina tonight and Saturday. Swells generated by IAN and a nearby frontal system are affecting the east coast of Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas, and the northwestern Bahamas. The swells are likely to cause life-threatening surf and rip current conditions. Please consult with your local weather service for more information. Next up, we head to the Bahamas, where Bahamas Prime Minister tells the United Nations General Assembly black-governed countries also matter. Tribune 242 reports the Bahamas Prime Minister Philip Brave Davis addressed the 77th session of the United Nations General Assembly last Saturday at the United Nations headquarters with the message that black governed countries matter. In his speech, Prime Minister Philip Brave Davis addressed the Bahamas being placed on the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD's, blacklist, saying the evidence is mounting that the considerations behind these decisions have less to do with compliance and more to do with darker issues of prejudged discriminatory perceptions. Let me submit, black-governed countries also matter. Mr. Davis also discussed the issues of climate change, asking why should small island nations like mine, we who have contributed so little to the climate crisis experience the biggest burdens and risks of a changing climate. The argument might be straightforward, but it has not been effective. And the prime minister spoke of regional issues in Haiti and Cuba and their impacts on the Bahamas. When my neighbors are in crisis, whether the cause is climate or crime or instability, the Bahamas is impacted by the humanitarian and security needs which arise, he said. Now on to St. Martin, where the Netherlands to provide 24 million Antillian guilders' liquidity support. 721 News reports St. Martin will receive 24 million Antillian guilders, over 11.3 million of financial support from the Netherlands before the end of this year. This was decided by the Kingdom Council of Ministers today. The money will allow for the government of St. Martin to pay current bills. The amount of liquidity support is made up of Antillian guilders, 14 million to support in the third quarter, and 10 million for the last three months of the year. The financial aid granted now is part of the agreements made during the corona pandemic. The Netherlands then came to the aid of countries with over a billion euros in interest-free loans, in addition to all kinds of medical aid and support with, for instance, food parcels through the Red Cross. It also agreed that in 2020, 2021 and 2022, the countries would not have to comply with budget norms. For any resulting budget gaps, Countries were allowed to apply for additional aid in the form of interest-free loans subject to conditions. For both the third and fourth quarters of 2022, St. Martin is now making use of this. Curaçao and Aruba have not requested liquidity support. You're listening to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com. News out of the U.S. Virgin Islands is 408 million infused by the Federal Emergency Management Agency for Medical Facilities. The Virgin Isles Consortium reports the US Federal Emergency Management Agency FEMA said Thursday that through its public assistance program over 408 million has been obligated for medical facilities in the US territory following the devastating storms of 2017. We utilized the bipartisan budget act and public assistance alternative procedures for permanent work to restore medical facilities in the aftermath of hurricanes Irma and Maria in the U.S. Virgin Islands, said Herbert Gregg, FEMA Public Assistance Group Supervisor of Health, Utilities, and Transportation. FEMA said critical services include hospitals and other healthcare facilities that provide emergency medical care and services, schools, and facilities that provide power, water, and other critical services. FEMA funded healthcare facilities reconstruction projects include the Charles Harwood Medical Center on St. Croix, Governor Wong F. Luis Hospital, Hospital. Hospital on St. Croix, the Charlotte Kimmelman Cancer Institute on St. Thomas, Myra Keaton-Smith Community Health Center on St. John, and funding was also reported for the Roy Lester Schneider Medical Facility on St. Thomas. Here's some great news out of Jamaica, where Jamaica's National Water Commission to save millions from Mona Reservoir floating solar project. Jamaica Information Service reports a floating solar project has been launched at the Mona Reservoir in St. Andrews. The project is expected to save the National Water Commission of Jamaica some 120,000 U.S. dollars annually in energy costs. It will allow for the placement of 45 megawatts of floating solar photovoltaic panels on the surface of the reservoir to, among other things, generate clean, renewable energy for the site. The project will be carried out by... Derillion Energy Limited at the cost of 62500000 U.S. dollars. Prime Minister Andrew Holness of Jamaica, in his address at the launch on Wednesday, said that the initiative is in keeping with the government's mandate to reduce the fiscal risk of the National Water Commission. One of the largest costs of the National Water Commission is its energy costs. The savings from this project will be significant, and it will strengthen the National Water Commission, Mr. Holness said. You're listening to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. To share information on upcoming events, email events at pulseofthecaribbean.com. Now we take a look at the build out of electric vehicle charging stations approved for 50 U.S. states plus the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico. EcoWatch reports electric vehicles are catching on more than ever, but charging stations are still necessary for people to be able to enjoy the same freedom of moving with electric vehicles. To facilitate this, the U.S. Department of Transportation has announced the approval of electric vehicle charging stations for all 50 states, as well as Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. States will have access to 1. billion in federal money to build the chargers. The network will cover 75,000 miles of highway. Last year, U.S. President Joe Biden said he wanted half of the United States' vehicle sales to be electric by 2030. Currently, the United States has about 47,000 electric vehicle charging stations. The White House goal of building a network of 500,000 electric vehicle charging points across the country by 2030 was announced in June. Next up, Chinese firm bidding for Guyana's gas-to-energy project seeks to distance themselves from Shady Pass. Crider News reports China Energy International Group Company Limited and other Chinese companies that submitted bids for Guyana's integrated natural gas liquid plant and 300 Megawatt power plant project has sought to distance themselves from the shady paths of their subsidiaries. The clarification comes on the heels of a report by Crowder News, which states that China Energy Engineering Group, a company that has 62.58 percent owned by China Energy Engineering Group Company Limited, was blacklisted by the World Bank on September 11, 2019. The financial institution had imposed a 20-month debarment of the Chinese state-owned enterprise, known at the time as China. China Energy Engineering Group Hunan Electric Power Design Institute Company Limited. The World Bank's statement said it had provided engineering and construction services in connection with fraud as part of a Lusaka transmission and distribution rehabilitation project in the Republic of Zambia. The department made China Energy Engineering Group Hunan Electric Power Design Institute ineligible to participate in World Bank finance projects. It was part of a settlement agreement under which the company acknowledged responsibility for underlying sanctionable practices and agreed to meet specific corporate compliance conditions as a condition for release from the department. The company in a statement was keen to note yesterday that while it is true that its subsidiary was blacklisted the parent company was not after the integrity and compliance management system had been established the company said the ban had been lifted on may 10th 2021 Powered China International Group issued a statement yesterday saying that contrary to what was stated in the article, it was not blacklisted by the World Bank. This is Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Have news and information you'd like to share with us? Email news releases to news at pulseofthecaribbean.com. Now here's a look at travel and tourism news for the region. Anguilla, Minister of Tourism, says no to cruise tourism. The Anguillian newspaper reports Anguilla's Minister of Tourism, Hayden Hughes, was recently engaged in a Caribbean Tourism Organization conference in the Cayman Islands where matters pertaining to Caribbean tourism trends were being discussed. One of the subjects discussed at the conference was the matter of the benefits or drawbacks relative to cruise tourism. The minister made a resounding objection to this sector being part of Anguilla's tourism experience. Tourism officials said at a destination media briefing during the conference that the revenue generated from cruise tourism is not worth the environmental impact. He noted it is a given it is not even debatable that cruise tourism does have a negative impact on the overall environment. You have to weigh what you would benefit out of the cruise tourism and what will be the drawbacks. Mr. Hughes told reporters that cruise tourism is not good for Anguilla, which has positioned itself in a particular sphere where you want to have the high-end tourism features, which actually make a lot more revenue for destinations that cruise ship visits. He remarked that upwards of 90 percent of revenue generated by passengers is retained by the cruise ships alone, and it is widely known that the highest spending in the islands amount to less than $180 per passenger. And here's our final note, Eurowings Clipped from Barbados. Barbados Today reports tourism authorities are looking swiftly in the Barbados area to get additional airlift into Barbados with the departure of Eurowings from the domestic market. Chief Executive Officer of Barbados Tourism Authority, Dr. Jen's Trenhardt said Barbados and other countries in the region are faced with the reality that the German airline has canceled all its Caribbean flights. As Trenhardt broke the news to tourism stakeholders who attended the 35th Annual General Meeting of Tourism Development Corporation at the Radisson Aquatica Resort, he said Eurowings reassigned the planes that were scheduled to come to the region to North America, which he said is a more profitable route. That was communicated to us just last week. Eurowings made its first non-stop 10-hour trip to Barbados in 2019, landing at the Grantley-Adams International Airport with almost 300 passengers, giving Barbados a great access to traffic from Europe. In the end, in order to get airlift, we need to drive consumer demand. In order to drive consumer demand, we need to tell a compelling story that made people want to come here, and beaches alone will not do that. We need to change the way we tell the story, and sustainability and experiences are a way to change the narrative, he said. This podcast has been brought to you by Let's Talk Ideas your budget friendly custom design firm and Diamond Key Marina, British Virgin Islands, home of Foxy's Taboo. Have news and information you'd like to share with us? Email news releases to news at pulse of And to share information on upcoming events, email events at pulse of This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup for Friday, September 30th. I'm Keisha Wallace. Hi, yeah. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com. If you found value in this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you in advance for choosing Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup as your source for Caribbean-centered news.